who is to blame for the Baltimore Ravens disappointing week three loss to the Indianapolis Colts to talk about that and so much more coming up next day on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Ravens podcast for your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and making us your first listen each and every single day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms that includes over in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn's out to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you fast about your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we are a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast. Now more than the season's going on. We do live streams Monday through Friday, though, is when our regular show comes out, 6 a.m. Eastern time. So be sure to subscribe in audio form. Subscribe in video form. It's the same show, both audio and video. So if you want to listen one day, then watch the next. You're not missing out on anything either way. We also have subtext. You can subscribe to that as well. That link's in the description below. In all caps, it's one-on-one text conversations, more exclusive content than I'm going to be rolling out over the next couple of weeks, couple of months over on Subtext. So if you want another way to support my work, that's the way to do it. I really appreciate that as well. Unfortunately, though, not a victory Monday for the Ravens. The Ravens fall to the Colts 22-19 in overtime. It was disappointing. It was honestly some parts of it inexcusable for the Ravens with the sloppiness in this game. And I want to dive into who is truly to blame for what happened yesterday for the Ravens. I think there's been a lot of blame thrown around to a lot of different people, different facets of the Ravens organization, honestly. So I do want to talk about, because I don't think it's one specific thing. I think it's, it's a multitude, but you know, when we put out percentages, we can obviously talk about that throughout the show. You can put comments below, you know, talk to me on Twitter, subtext, whatever it may be. So I'll do that in the first segment. Second segment, it'll be, it'll be more of a general recap. Again, we did this more on yesterday's live stream. So if you want to tune into that for more of an instant reaction for me to the game, we talk about that, talk about the refs, which were a factor in this game. We'll talk about it. Then in the final part of the show, it's an important stretch coming up for the Ravens. I want to get into that now and kind of the missed opportunity that Baltimore had, but how they can bounce back. There is a path, obviously, for them bouncing back from this. So let's get into it. Let's talk about who's truly to blame. When you talk about blame for this game in particular, I think you have to start with the sloppiness. And that goes to a multitude of different people. It started off sharp. I mean, we'll kind of blend in the first two segments, I guess, in terms of who's really the blame in the recap. But Todd Munkin starts this game off with a, a masterclass. He, he, just like the Bengals game last week, he ended up putting together a 10 plus play drive. This one in particular was 12 plays, 80 yards. For the touchdown, six minutes and 31 seconds, chunk plays, chunk runs, getting the ball down the field, keeping the Colts defense on their toes. After that, though, we didn't necessarily see a lot of creativity from Todd Munkin. Felt for the most part, the offense was very vanilla. There weren't deep shots down the field as well. Seemed like the Ravens, I mean, credit to the Colts, secondary, you don't really think of the Colts as a formidable secondary compared to what some of the rest of the NFL has, but they did a good job kind of boxing in what Lamar could do and and where Lamar could throw and what Todd Munkin wanted to do. 
calling the plays. And I think that it, with it being more of a joint effort between Lamar and Todd Monk in this season, they're going to have to kind of work through every little detail here and there to get more and more and more comfortable. But that one drive I mentioned, opening drive was 80 yards. The Ravens on the day had 364 yards. So 280 yards about outside of that drive, 284 outside of that drive that the Ravens had throughout the rest of the game after that first drive. So I think that part of the blame does fall on Todd Munkin in this one. But look, if you go back to last season, let's talk about that Miami game. I don't really want to talk about it, but we're going to do it anyway. The Ravens, that game was on Mike McDonald, essentially. The defense lost in that game. It, essentially, this was kind of the inverse of what happened with in Miami, or not in Miami, but in Baltimore when they played Miami last year. Now, not exactly. The Ravens had, obviously, a huge lead. The defense blew the fourth quarter lead, and, and that was what happened. The Ravens didn't have a huge lead in this game. The Colts were leading at halftime, and were trying to, you know, late third, early fourth, started to go back and forth with field goals and whatnot. The Ravens offensively in this game did almost everything they could to lose it, and the defense did almost everything they could to win it. In the Miami game last year, it was the offense that did everything they could to win it, and the defense did everything they could to lose it. The offense was getting carried by the defense all day, and to me, part of the sloppiness goes in that Miami game to Mike McDonald because of you know, getting used to the NFL game. Todd Munkin, he's called NFL games before on offense. That's not really an excuse for him. But it's getting used to a new system, a new offensive skill set for players and, and figuring out each one of their players' skill sets, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. But it takes time. And week two, we saw with Mike McDonald, he had to adjust. And what happened? Defense got better over the course of the season and has turned into the unit it now is. Todd Munkin, maybe maybe this is just the, the Mike McDonald week two game for him and week three against the Colts, where you know, need to, needs to figure some stuff out. This will be that for him. Then we'll see the offense. And the offense was never going to click 100% through the first month, two months of the season. I mean, multiple analysts, myself, anybody who you listen to who was a little concerned about the early season offense, I, I think for them, it's like, yeah, you know what? They have to get used to a lot of different things. But the part that, like, that part is excusable to me. Like, I think there's, there's growth there, and it's okay that it, it kind of was this today i'm not saying it was good that it was but i'm saying long term this is something we could look back on and say you know what it's fine it happened but slowly it got better the thing that's inexcusable to me is the sloppiness the sloppiness that the ravens offense had throughout the game fumbles four fumbles on four straight drives is inexcusable the ravens offense had momentum they were driving into the colts red zone i think they were up seven nothing or seven three at the that point, I can't remember exactly the score, but they were going into Colts, into the Colts red zone. Kenyon Drake gets a pass from Lamar, runs it up the field, and then boom, a Colts defender comes in, knocks the ball out. And Kenyon Drake did have it, I think, high and tight. It was it was a good play by the Colts defender, but then it's a Lamar fumble and kind of like the tuck rule thing where he has a he's trying to throw up, but he doesn't get it out. The bad snap by Sam Mustafer, the other fumble that happened. I mean, four straight drives with four fumbles on it. I mean. That, to me, is inexcusable. The sloppiness in week one, you could say, all right, fine. It's week one sloppiness. This was a different kind of sloppiness, though. We saw fumbles in that week one game, but we know the Ravens had 13 penalties. We know the penalties were terrible. The Ravens didn't have penalties in this game. You know, one for five for Baltimore. The sloppiness is, to me, 
one of the biggest things to blame in this, but obviously it was execution, sloppy execution. And it was the players that were executing. Lamar had some sloppy plays. Sam Mustafar, I mentioned the snap. Zay Flowers had some rookie mistakes, which I think are more excusable. Like Zay, Zay is a rookie and, and he has to have that runway to grow, especially with the role he's already playing for the Ravens, which essentially is their number one receiver. But the sloppiness just can't go on week to week. And maybe we can look back on that and say, you know what? Yeah, it happened, but it got better. But the Ravens have had things like this in the past. Like tackling was an issue for them for multiple seasons. Missed sacks and missed, you know, I don't want to say like missed, like missed opportunities in the offensive backfield have been a thing for years for them. Some things they do clean up. They cleaned up the tackling. Eventually, they're a much better tackling team than they were two years ago. But again, some things get cleaned up faster than others. But with the stretch coming up, we'll talk about in the final segment. They're going to need to get the sloppiness cleaned up and fast. But coming up in the second part of the show, we're going to keep getting into, I don't want to call it the blame game, but it kind of is at this point. Who, who's the blame for that loss? And also just recapping the game, the Ravens and the Colts, week three, Ravens lose to the Colts 22 to 19. We'll get into all that and more. So it'll come on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a ton of great experiences on LinkedIn, whether it's finding jobs for myself or sending jobs over to my friends. LinkedIn has everything for you over there. And it's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the profile like hiring frame. To your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions, to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's really important to both start and end the year strong. And the right team member might be able to help you do that. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one, delivering quality hires for leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to fast about your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens on this not-so-victory Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you after the Ravens fall to the Indianapolis Colts 22-19 to in overtime. And we're talking about who is truly to blame for this loss. And again, I think it's a multitude of different factors, but here's the juicy. We're going we're gonna to get into the juiciness here. Let's talk Lamar. But let's talk Lamar Jackson. Lamar did not have his best game of his career. I think it was better than some people are making it out to be. 22 of 31, 202 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Also had 14 carries for 101 yards and two scores. Lamar was slippery and elusive in this one. was very hard to bring him down for the most part. He was escaping things left and right. Also did make a couple of really good throws when it mattered. But I think what stands out to me, and obviously these things stand out more in a loss, than a win because I think they contributed is a couple of things. One, some of the decisions Lamar made, particularly the one where the Ravens were in Justin Tucker's field goal range, or you want, if you want to believe they were, because I don't know if they were going to trot him out there from where they were, because didn't trot him out from 62, didn't trot him out from 64 after he missed a 61 yard. I know John Harbaugh cited footing, but regardless, you were in the range and the Colts get about a 10, 15 yard sack on Lamar where you just got to throw the ball away if you're Lamar. Lamar has had some issues over the course of his career holding on to the ball when he shouldn't and, you know, taking sacks when he shouldn't. You know, it's just throw the ball away, throw the ball away. In that moment, it was a key moment in the game. And, I mean, Lamar, the instinct just kicked in too late. Like, he tried to throw the ball away, but his knee was already down at that point. He understood what he had to do. It just clicked a little too late for him. 
And is every quarterback going to make every right decision? No, it's not going to be that way. I think that, again, the other thing that happened for Lamar was the blitzing. The pressure started to get to Lamar, and Lamar's work against the blitz. His body of work going up against blitzes over the course of his career has been very up and down. He shredded it at points, and he struggled with it at other points. He struggled with it in this game. He started to throw balls behind receivers. Didn't do that all game. I know Lamar made that very clear himself, and I agree with him. But it did start to happen where there were a couple of throws where obviously when a defense blitzes and they send guys, there are going to be more one-on-one matchups and less players in the secondary to give receivers and pass catchers trouble. So what do you do to counter the blitz? You get the ball out quickly. But this kind of goes back to Todd Munkin. And the fact that I don't think they necessarily did enough for Lamar in this game to help him on those short throws. Now, were those short throws throws Lamar has to hit? Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and say that he shouldn't have made those throws. He should have. They're difficult throws going up against the blitz, but they're important throws that he needs to make. Now, for the Ravens and Lamar and everybody in general, I'll praise them when praise is due and I'll criticize them when criticism is due. I think that's my job and it's it's what I want to do to be fair and not look one way or the other and be on one side or the other in terms of way too optimistic or way too pessimistic, right? I think there has to be a balance and there has to be fairness and truth into what I say. That's what I value doing this job, talking here and hosting this show. So I'm not going to say Lamar had this amazing game and that, oh, you know, it's, it's Munkin's fault and it's, it's X, Y, and Z's fault. Lamar is to blame for this loss. Is it only his fault? No, it's not only his fault. I think, again, people are making it out as he had this terrible game and was just missing everybody and making really bad throws the whole game and really bad decisions the whole game. It was not a good day for the offense. Like, I don't think the offensive line played particularly well overall. I think that there were room for, there was room for improvement there. They are partially to blame for this. But Lamar being the quarterback and being the star that he is, when he doesn't step up to those star expectations, there's going to be blame for him in these situations. Is it fair sometimes? Yes, it is fair. Is it fair in other times? No. But for a quarterback in Lamar, that the Colts came into this game, I think, is a bottom five pass defense, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the run game that actually got the Ravens going. The Ravens averaged five yards per carry. Lamar had his, had his 7.2. I guess Edwards had his 4.6. But it was the run game that actually got more against the Colts run defense, which came in, I think is the second best run defense in the league than the Colts bottom five pass defense. And, you know, in this game, I thought that Zay Flowers again, had a couple of rookie mistakes. One of them was very costly in the fair catch punt that happened where I guess the Ravens didn't have time to communicate to him that he shouldn't have done the fair catch, but they had three timeouts. I probably burn a timeout there. Then you get to John Harbaugh. Some of the coaching decisions John Harbaugh made in this game, Justin Tucker misses from 61. Again, the footing was not great on the field, I'm sure, based off the weather that was had in Baltimore over the weekend. But you have the greatest kicker of all time. He is hit from, you know, and again, weather is a thing. Domes are a thing. That Detroit field goal came in a dome. But if there's anybody to go out there, I mean, personally, I live and die by Justin Tucker. Like, that's just what I do. At that point, to punt in a situation where Justin Tucker could – easily have hit a field goal and and gotten more leg and more power under a ball. Like, yes, I understand that you want to pin the Colts back. And if you don't feel confident in the field conditions, I don't think it was a confidence issue in Tucker necessarily. I think it was an issue with the field, but I would trust Justin Tucker in just about any condition. I know the Buffalo game was rough from a couple of years ago, but 
Justin Tucker has proven it time and time again at that point. And I think the Colts even got to where Justin Tucker, like if he had missed, I think the Colts got to where they would have been anyway on the Justin Tucker missing like two plays. I think that was the Pittman catch where he had an unbelievable catch and you just got to tip your hat and give your flowers. To me, I would have probably either gone for it or kicked the field goal with Justin Tucker in the first situation. Going forward on the second one was fine. I mean, it should have been a first down. There was pass interference on Zay Flowers, but I do think that, John, which wasn't called obviously, but John Harbaugh, I do think shoulders a little bit of this for some of the decisions that he made. Again, controversial. It, it was more controversial to some than to others. I would kind of put it in the middle. Like, I don't think it was overly controversial, but I just call it very interesting. But this thing with John Harbaugh, there have been multiple questionable coaching decisions from people, whether it's two-point conversions, going for it on fourth down late in the games, right? This is not the first time we've seen some level of controversy from John Harbaugh. But let's get to the refs. Let, let's talk about the refs a little bit. It was an atrocity what happened it, for the refs in the final you know, minute of the fourth quarter for the Ravens and then overtime on that fourth down play. Refing is hard. I, I get it. You know, it's it's bang, bang. And, it, you know, you got to now you're not going to get everything right. But these are, you know, I guess it didn't really feel like it. Some of the best in the world at their jobs because they're paid like that. Now, are, are some of them not great at their jobs? Yeah. In fact, I don't think a lot of them are very good. But I don't know. Like, you want to go back to replacement reps? I don't really know what you do. But the Ravens in this game, it's you look at it and you say, well, you can't blame the refs because the Ravens did it to themselves. Yes, I agree with that. But the refs had an impact on the game. It's the, the most high leverage situations in the game. It's not like this was a second down in the second quarter and it had barely no impact on the game. It was a huge face mask call that was clearly, a, Jay, Zay Flowers, his face gets ripped. You know, these, these are the things you look for as a ref. Does the mask get turned? Does the player's head get turned? That's It's a dangerous play and it's something the NFL is trying to eliminate and you don't call it in a sense you reward the defender for doing it. That play would have offset penalties because there was a penalty on the Ravens, and they would have redone the down, and the Ravens probably iced the game there, if anything. And then it doesn't happen. What if The game goes to overtime, fine. Still a terrible call. Then the fourth down play where Zay Flowers gets hooked. I mean, he literally, there's not like just a hand on the side, and it's a light hand on the side, and there's a little tug. It was a hook say flowers gets hooked i know some people said oh well the ball wasn't in the area and it was it hit the dirt the ball zay could have caught the ball if he was not hooked it was inexcusable you know i know the nba does like the last two minute stuff both those penalties were penalties and the fact that they weren't called essentially lost the ravens the game twice so the ravens lost for themselves like 10 times over don't get me wrong but the refs had an impact on the game you can say, oh, I don't want to blame the official. I don't want to use that as, excuse, as an excuse. If you don't want to do that, that's fine by me. You don't have to. But to me, they are partially to blame for the Ravens losing. The Ravens shouldn't have let it get to that point, though. That's the thing. They had opportunities. Four fumbles in the first half, but back to back to back to back. You shouldn't be in the, You should not put yourself in the situation for the refs to decide the game like they did in this one. And credit to the Colts. They came in. They weren't as sloppy as the Ravens and they ended up picking up a win. So the Ravens have to bounce back from this and coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk about the very important stretch coming 
for the Ravens with back-to-back divisional games. So be sure to stay tuned for that plan to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And missing the syrup for your pancakes or maybe you ran out of your favorite coffee creamer, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want when you need it. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and I can get grocery delivery. It actually delivers to with thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boots your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they'll make it right over there at DoorDash. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And if you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With an easy substitution right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONNFL. Check out limited time offer. Terms apply. That's 50% off, $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter code LOCKEDONNFL. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONNFL for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. We're back here. It's our final segment. The Blocked On Ravens, Kevin Ostrich, here with you on this Monday. Again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in and making us your first listen here, whether you're in audio form, in video form. Either way, I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe to the channel here. It, it means so much to me. Every, every, Everybody who listens, it's meant a lot to be able to do this, to talk Ravens, all the ups and downs this team has had. This, this is not a high moment for them, but... It's been awesome to engage with everybody, build communities up, whether through Twitter, through the actual show itself, through subtext now what we're doing. It's been a really fun journey, and obviously it's not possible that everybody who listens and watches. So I've really valued every moment I've had doing this, and I can't wait to keep on doing it, even when there are low moments like this. So again, be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form, video form, subtext, wherever you want. I'm here, and... uh, it's been really fun, but this game was not fun for the Ravens again. 22 to 19 overtime loss shouldn't have gotten to that point, but the Ravens it was just too many self inflicted mistakes, and that's what it ended up coming down to. Plus, a little bit of a ref show on the side, but let's talk about the important stretch coming. What's next for the Ravens? I guess let's talk about injuries a little first, though. The Ravens had even more injuries. I don't, I don't know what to do at this point. It's getting honestly, it has been quite ridiculous that the Ravens cannot seem to figure out their injury situation. Football's football. Injuries happen. But we're getting to the point where it's going beyond that. Like something has to change internally within the organization. They try to get rid of Steve Saunders, I guess, to figure out what was going on. It just hasn't worked. You know, we talked with Kadri Ismail on Friday for our, our Friday show before this Colts game. And we kind of talked about when some of these guys would return from their injuries. And Q, you know, he's obviously a former player for the Ravens, but he now was in the training side of things and he has a, a grip on different training methods. So if you want to go back and listen to that show, there's actually a lot of insight from Q on some of the Ravens current injuries and when those guys could be back in the training methods and everything. But in this game, David Ajabo hurts his ankle. Gus Edwards concussion protocol Rashad Bateman hamstring tightens up on him. Tylen Wallace with uh, I think it was a thigh or a hamstring for him as well. A leg issue. So it's just the injuries keep piling up. And at this point, you're down your top two running backs, your top cornerback, your top safety, your top left tackle, your top center. Well, actually top three because Justice Hill. So top three running backs. And the injuries just keep piling on. Top wide receiver, or if you want to argue he's your second at that point, was Zay Flowers and Odo Beckham. It's getting crazy. I mean, your top outside linebacker and Adafi Owe, if Jabo's down, this is your third best. I think Clowney's kind of been, you know, really solid for them. But it just keeps piling up. And I've said this so many times, but every time an injury happens, 
it lowers your ceiling and it lowers your floor. There are very rare cases where an injury, I guess, helps on field performance because, I mean, the guy just shouldn't be playing anyway. But for the most part, especially with the stars the Ravens have out right now, their ceiling is so much lower than what it could be and their floor is so much lower than what it could be. It's not helping that, you know, it seems every single week the Ravens lose multiple key players. It's been three weeks and there's already a laundry list of players. And again, in this game, they lose four more guys. It's going to come to a point where they just they have to keep doing stuff. And whether that's just cleaning house or figuring stuff out, it's getting to a ridiculous point where every single season for the past four years, essentially, we've been talking about injuries and it's not like normal football injuries. I mean, I guess they are because they happen within the games, but the the rate at which it happens is unreal. So hopefully it gets better next week. I don't have too much confidence. Maybe I'll try to reverse jinx it or something and say, oh, well, yeah, it always happens. So it's going to happen again. So I'll try reverse jinxing it and maybe everybody will be healthy. But there's an important stretch coming up for the Ravens. Obviously, in that stretch, you'd want to have a lot of your key guys back. I, I get a feeling maybe we'll see Marlon Humphrey start to get ramped up again. I'm not a doctor. That's not me reporting. It's literally just a gut feeling. <laughs> no substance to it. But I feel like we we could start to see the Ravens getting a couple of guys back here. I'm hoping at least that's the case. But you have week four against the Cleveland Browns, week five against the Pittsburgh Steelers, two super, super important divisional games. The Ravens missed an opportunity in this game. They could have gone to 3-0, could have retained sole possession of first place in the AFC North. At the time of this recording, the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers are tied atop the North 2-1. and And then the Bengals are 0-2. They play on Monday night against the Rams. So we'll see what happens with Cincinnati. If Cincinnati falls to 0-3, I mean, I guess that's big for every team in the North. But you're essentially going up now against, again, the two teams you're tied with for first place in the division. So you need to have a big game against Cleveland. Cleveland against Tennessee, was able to pick up a win and kind of get back on track a little bit after a pretty embarrassing performance against the Steelers where Deshaun Watson just looked terrible. I mean, Watson looked better in this game against Tennessee. He also had one of the worst plays I've ever seen from a quarterback. But that defense is no joke in Cleveland. Miles Garrett is that dude, one of the best, if not the best defensive player in the division, in the league, whatever you want to say. But they have a lot of players on that defense. I like the Browns' offseason this offseason. And I mean, if Deshaun Watson can get it together and I wasn't, I'm not a huge fan of him. And I'm not a big fan of the trade in general for Cleveland, but if he can get it together, Cleveland's a scary team. So we'll see. I mean, Nick Chubb get being lost is devastating for them, but Jerome Ford is great. My, my draft crush a darling back in a 2021 or 2022, I guess for the Ravens, I wish they got him, but the, the Browns snatched him up. So you have to go on the road to play both these teams. It's going to be hostile environment. Hopefully going to get some of your guys back. Got to obviously, you know, take into account the travel and everything that goes along with that. It's not like you're going to London, which is what they're doing in week six. So essentially it's three straight road games. The Ravens coming up. That's it's tough. It's going to be taxing. Uh, obviously you got to continue to rehab your body if you're the Ravens and just figure things out. But these two divisional games with the missed opportunity they had here, it's a conference loss of the Ravens with the Colts, not a divisional loss, thankfully, but if, if you can exit this divisional stretch Two and one, I think that's fine. Three and oh, that's best case scenario. But if you lose these two games back to back, you drop the two and three. You're already one and two in the division. And I get that injuries are happening, but we it's an excuse. But at the same time, it's the same thing over and over. The Ravens have had opportunities in the offseason to, to figure it out. And again, can John Harbaugh just say, we can make this adjustment. The injuries will go away. It's not that simple. I'm not saying that's that simple. 
but it's been too many injuries. Like I can finally start to say, and I, I should have been a while ago, honestly, but it's finally just getting to the point for me where it's like, this is unbelievable. Like, why is this continuing to happen? Like, so Steve Saunders is gone and it's still happening. So I don't know what it is, but it's an important couple of games coming up, going to London to play the Titans there. It's going to be big for them to get a win against Cleveland, push them back down to two and two, hopefully get a win against the Steelers in week five as well. Two huge, huge divisional games early on. Again, we talk about stretches every single season, like once the schedule comes out before the season starts. It's really early for the Ravens. This is the most important stretch of their season probably, and they're going to have to figure out how they can get the job done with an offense that is still figuring things out and still trying to work in players and get guys back from injury. So, again, a disappointing 22-19 overtime loss for the Ravens in Week 3 against the Colts. We'll be obviously breaking it down here on Lockdown Ravens. I appreciate everybody for tuning in here. When we get back here tomorrow, obviously more Ravens content, more breaking down this game, and more figuring out where the Ravens can go from here and bounce back. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.